Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we are joined by Marilyn Sherman, CSP, CPAE. Hey, Marilyn, welcome to Speakernomics. Thanks, Tom. It's great to be here. Oh, I'm so glad to have you here. You have been on the list to be on this show for quite some time, and we crossed paths in Vegas the other day, and I said, let's just get this interview done, and poof, a week later, here we are doing the interview. So for those of you who don't know Marilyn Sherman, and I don't know how you could be in the speaking business and not know her, she helps people overcome obstacles to success. She inspires people to get out of their own way and to live their life in the front row. It's really inspiring and she helps people get out of the balcony to live their life. Now, she has been a professional speaker for over 27 years. And today she's gonna help us talk through this idea of having confidence in your message as a speaker. So Marilyn, what are your two tips for speakers to have more confidence in their messaging? Well, first off, you have to truly believe in what your message is and who you do it for. Because once you know the belief of what you're going to be speaking about and who it's for, it's going to lead into the second tip, which is you have to be able to articulately, um, clearly tell people what you do and who you do it for best. Awesome. So the first one about really clearly being able to to know who you are and what you do, that kind of plays into this whole idea of mindset. So let's let's talk about clearly knowing who you are and who you do it for, because the speaking business from the outside can look like one thing. But when people get inside, you've got to be able to present yourself differently. So so what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are that being an exceptional speaker on stage is the minimum bar that you have to achieve. And once you get there, you constantly are there to improve, which is what's so amazing about the National Speakers Association. Um, but it's very common for speakers, especially when you see another speaker, your mindset goes uh, to other places. So there's this comparison trap that speakers have and they look at other speakers and one of two things could happen. One is they think, well, I could do that and I could do that so much better. Why aren't I on that stage? Why aren't I getting more of those kinds of bookings? And the other one is, oh my gosh, this person is so amazing. I got nothing. I could never be that good. So both of those mindsets are traps that do not serve you as speakers. 
so the confidence piece is you have to know yourself so well and have confidence in your message so much so that when you do see another speaker, which, you know, this is what we do for a living. So, of course, we're going to be surrounded by events and watching other speakers. Your mindset is neither of those two. Your mindset is, oh, look at the speaker. What are they doing well? What can I do to learn from that? Not to emulate them or be like them, but what can I use in terms of um, bettering myself to be better at what I do, just like I'm witnessing this person be the best at what they do. Gosh, it's so interesting because when you said that, I, I flash back to having seen speakers when I was new and doing exactly that, either thinking, well, they can do it, I can do it. Or the flip side, I remember when Mark Scherenbrock was the closing keynoter, I think it might have been Washington, D.C. influence like seven years ago. I vividly remember sitting in the audience and I leaned over to the person I was sitting next to. I think I was with Eliz Green and I said, I need to retire. <laughs> because I will never be able to do what Mark Sharon Brock just did. Yeah. And I tell that story because those two things, speakers are automatically drawn into. And yet your advice is, you know, learn what you can, but don't think, oh, I'm not good enough. And the flip side is don't think, oh, I'm so much better than that person. So how do we, how do we live in the middle? Um, well, limit yourself to uh, obsession on social media and watching people and watching their perfect lives out there because what you see on social media is not necessarily reality. I mean, I saw a speaker one time who we were both doing the same event as breakout speakers. And I, the next day I saw them post here's my office for the day. And it was the big, beautiful ballroom with all the signage. But I saw them speak. They spoke in one of the breakout rooms and their office of the day was a um, not even a backdrop of the curtain. Mm -hmm. It was like an exit sign and a stage and about 35 people in a room set for 200. So um, as soon as I saw that, I thought, okay, I am going to detach myself um, from what I see on social media and I'm going to focus on my craft. I'm going to get better at what I do. I am going to focus on my clients. I'm going to focus on what my clients say they need and want from me. And I'm going to let go of the obsession of what other speakers are doing and what they're saying out there. Well, and I think that that's, that's really true. I think we do see a lot of that, you know, hey, hey, look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm super fancy. And some of it might be a tad bit, a tad bit inflated on social media, if you will. A little will. bit, a little bit. But it is true that when you go to a lot of events and, and you see a lot of speakers, there are things that you can learn of from these other speakers, right? So, so how do we take how do we take what we see on the stage and and help us make us more confident and ready to go the next time in a positive way? Well, you know. We talked about mindset and how important it is to have confidence in your message. And the mindset is not to be jealous or envious of other speakers, but to do some self-reflection on this is what I do and this is what I do really, really well. And because we're in an environment where we're, we're very sensitive, we have sensitive egos. And sometimes if someone doesn't like what we do, we focus on that one thing that that one person said and that one evaluation. So here's a tip that would be great for speakers, especially new speakers, is to keep track of all your wins. I call it a win list. You keep track of all your wins. You keep track of all the, the things that people say to you when you get off stage. You keep track of all those things. You 
write them down. And then when you're having a moment of insecurity, you have a moment of doubt, you have a moment of fear, stop, do some self-reflection and say, is there any, is this evidence-based? Maybe, maybe not. So let me go back to my win list and be reminded of how amazing I am. Now, the other day I was in Denver, Colorado, speaking to an amazing client and they had me stay over after I was done with my keynote. It was an afternoon keynote, didn't want to fly home. And I actually really enjoyed it because at the banquet during the the pre-function of the banquet, uh, my client just sort of paraded me around. <laughs> it was like, talk about ego. People just would stop and say, oh my gosh, your keynote was so amazing. And I didn't just say, thank you. I said, thank you. What was it that resonated uh, with you the most? And as a result, I was reaffirmed of which stories that they absolutely loved. And if they didn't mention something, then it's like, okay, it's not even hitting the top five type of thing. So, um, so keep track of what your clients are saying about you. Keep track of what your audiences are saying about you. Don't just walk out thinking, oh, they love me. No, they love this story. Uh, the men in my audience, I used to think that I was only resonating with women, but um, I've changed my mindset around that. And I speak to a lot of uh, male dominated audiences. And the other day, a guy said, man, I was I wasn't prepared to have my my eyes uh, sweating. <laughs> so um, my audiences like to be moved. Two things: they love to be moved and they love to laugh. So I make sure that my keynote, which I've been working on this keynote for for years, and I've now it's it's done. It's like my keynote is like I am so confident that I've got the stories in the right place. I've got the stories, um, uh, you know, bringing them up, bringing them. Uh, to an emotional point and then bringing back up again, but then they, they walk away with actionable items because my clients are always saying we need a motivational speaker, but we want not just the fluff. We want actionable items. And so the most common feedback I get is, wow, you're so much more than a motivational speaker. People really walk away with um, take home value. Nice. And I love that part about when somebody says great speech, asking that part of what really resonated with you. I actually wrote that down because it really does go a long way because then you can really hear those types of things. You mentioned the fact that you've been working on your keynote and and, and tweaking it for years and that you are super confident Mm -hmm. in it right now. And and the message for today is is getting confident in your message. Mm -hmm. What was it that you did to be able to work on it along the way that got you to where you are now? Well, I used to obsess every single night before a speech, changing my slides around, moving them around and trying to find where things would go. And and it, it, it was just an obsession. And then I did an event for Dan Maddox for American Payroll uh, Association, which is an amazing event. And um, we switched some things around based on my walkout music. And they play, I I asked if they had any Earth, Wind & Fire music. And they said, absolutely. I said, I'd like this song and started at the upbeat part of the song. So I came out to Earth, Wind & Fire and I was dancing and um, I go right into, I don't say, hi, how are you? It's great to be here. I learned that from Fripp a long time ago. I went right into uh, how many Earth, Wind & Fire fans are out there. And then I tell a story about having a balcony seat at a concert. And because I walked with purpose, I made it down to the front row, got out of my comfort zone, engaged in a conversation with a stranger who ended up being um, the lead singer's nephew. And he asked me to motivate him. And I gave him some of my favorite motivational lines. And, you know, it was a great conversation because he asked me, what do you do? He didn't just say, hey, motivate me. <laughs> he just said, <laughs> 
Um, he, when he said um, the, you know, his uncle Phil, and I'm like, Philip, like uncle Phil, Philip Bailey. And he goes, yeah, that's my uncle. Why are you in the business? I said, no, I'm a motivational speaker. And he's like, oh, can you motivate me? And so I gave him like a little mini motivational session. Long story short, I, uh, with, along with my girlfriends, got all access badges to sit in the front row and then go backstage and go and meet the his uncle and the rest of the band. And it's a great story about how most people take their seat. And if they don't like the view, they don't like the feel of their seat. They don't like the balcony. They don't like the nosebleed section. And what do they do? They complain about it. And they start to complain about why they waited so long to get the tickets and why they didn't pay full price. And, and then if they're really in their mentality and their mindset is real balcony and not front row, they look at the people who have what they want and they make stuff up as to how they got there. And as I tell this story, the audience has this aha moment of, ah, yeah, she's not talking about a concert anymore. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about promotions <laughs> of other people. Instead of sitting back and complaining about someone else getting a promotion and making stuff up as to why they got that promotion, or in the speaking industry, sitting back and saying, well, I wonder how she got that keynote spot, or I wonder how he got that keynote spot. It's like, get out of the seat that you're in. You have two choices. If you don't like your seat, get out of the seat that you're in and move to a new seat, or you shift your perspective about the seat that you're in because everything starts with perspective. So, um, so because of that, after APA, it worked, it worked so well that from that point on, I always do the earth, wind and fire story first. And I now, because it, I mean, Frenchie was sitting in the audience that day and he's like, that was the best keynote I've ever, ever seen you do. And I'm like, you know what? That really was the best keynote I felt I ever did. And, and, so and Frenchie, by the way, Frenchie would be your husband. So not everybody yeah, yeah, would know that nickname, but I want to I want to throw that in there. And he is one of your biggest supporters. Not everybody's spouses always go and watch them speak, but but he likes to see you speak, right? Yeah, well, he, it's so moving because um, when I do tell the story about setting goals and having 356 traits of my wish list for a front row man in my life, and then I narrowed it down to the top 10 traits that I wanted uh, in, in the top 10, uh, one of the items that he must have is he must um, be fluent in French. So <laughs> the fact that I manifested my Frenchie is a great story. And if he's in the audience, when I say, and by the way, I'd like to introduce you to my Frenchie. And he stands up and the whole audience swoons like, oh, my gosh. And, and I yeah, love the fact that you manifested a man who is fluent in French and you didn't yeah. speak French. No. <laughs> it's OK. You know, hey. That's what bucket lists are for. Right. There's no judgment. It's like it's like, Tom, you probably have your front row. depiction is very different than my front row. Right. You know, you have kids. You're, you're eventually going to be a grandfather one day. Right. You're empty nesting right now. It's like me. We don't have any children. So my front row is very different than your front row. So there's no judgment. Everybody gets to choose what they want. So my front row man, I wanted him to have a French accent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think that's awesome. So I want to go into the other tip, which was really yeah. about clearly being able to articulate your message. And you yeah. do this as well, if not better than most speakers who are out there. You know what your message is about living that front row life. So how did you fine tune that over the 27 years? Because that probably wasn't so clear when you started. And what advice do you have for other people at finding their specific specificness about being able to articulate that message? Well, 
it goes back to the confidence. I know what I do really, really well. I inspire an audience. I motivate an audience and I give them tools to take action in their work life and their personal life. And so if there's a meeting planner, a bureau agent, if there's somebody that wants someone to open a conference or close a conference um, and they want people to feel good about who they are and what they do, and they want to walk out feeling um, more energy with confidence that, wow, you know what? I actually can do more than I'm doing with my life right now. Then I know I'm the perfect fit for them. Um, I have that confidence because I've been doing it for so long. So um, the thing, but the thing is though, <laughs> and it took me a while to realize this, there is not a bureau agent on the earth that is um, answering the request of a client, a prospect, a customer saying, hey, this year we're looking for a front row expert. We're looking <laughs> for someone to speak on the seat of success, you know? And so uh, it took me a long time to realize they're not Googling front row leadership or front row success or front row service or um, how to get out of the balcony of your life. They are searching for female motivational speaker, female keynote speaker, Las Vegas keynote speaker, um, empowering, engaging keynote speaker, corporate engaging keynote speaker. So I had to switch up my um, messaging on my website and messaging on my social media and my hashtags Um because I know that's not what people are looking for, which is what my brand is, even though that's my brand and people know it, but I want to reach more audiences. And in order to do so, I have to reach audiences who have never heard me before. And the only way bureau agents are going to put me into a pool of people that they propose to their clients is if I uh, fill a box for them. We want an inspirational speaker. We want a motivational speaker with corporate experience, with association experience. And we want someone to really move their audience. And it helps that they're a woman and it helps that they live in Las Vegas. You know, those are the types of questions I want to answer in uh, my copy. So if somebody is thinking, oh, my gosh, nobody's searching for what I do either from the exact mm -hmm. wording that I use. How can they identify how to position themselves? OK, that's, that's a very good question. And um you ask yourself, what is it that you do? Okay, what's the benefit to the audience of you doing that? And what's the benefit of the benefit? And when you get to the benefit of the benefit of what you do for an audience, that's what they're searching for. Nice. Nice. I like that. I like that. So you've been in this business a long time. And while many of our listeners are not members of the National Speakers Association, uh, I am, you are, many of our friends are, what are some of the advantages to being involved with NSA and to surrounding yourself with a lot of other really successful speakers. Cause I know that's been part of your strategy also is, you know, associating with people who are really living that front row life in our business. So what advice do you have for people who are listening about, about participation? Well, the one thing that really benefited me when I got involved with the national speakers association is right away, I got into service. So when you are rubbing elbows with people who are, uh, more successful than you. They've been around longer than you. They're more seasoned than you. You can't help but absorb that energy. You can't help but um, learn just how, how they are and who they are on stage and off stage. So as a result of being of service within the National Speakers Association, I had exposure to people who normally would not have known who the heck I was. Not to say that NSA, you know, there's some people, people are, Tom, 
people are really funny. They're like, <laughs> yeah. like, why would I invest in NSA? I don't get any business from it. Well, that is not the reason why you join NSA. You join NSA to up your game. You join NSA to be surrounded by other people who take their profession as a professional speaker seriously. You join this association and you engage in this association to be around people who are practicing what you are not practicing that you need to practice. Um, so I go and I learn best practices from people. I, I, I also, because it's a relationship industry, I know that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I can call someone from NSA and they will have my back. Case in point, um, my husband has cancer right now. It's a little stressful around our home right now. He is in the middle of his chemo treatments and it's my clients and my NSA colleagues who have been writing cards, who've been sending gifts, who have been leaving me messages, who are... Uh, especially my NSA family here in Las Vegas, they are like, Marilyn, if you're out of town and you need us, we will drop anything to come and take care of Frenchie. We will bring him whatever he needs. We will take him to the doctor, whatever you need. And you can't get that um, anywhere else. And, and it's like, did I join NSA so I could have a support system when my husband got sick? Absolutely not. It's just when you are around uh, good hearted people, when you're around these people that you believe in and that believe in you, you can't help but realize that this is, this is a big, this is a big family. Well, and you talk about the advantage to getting around people who are who are doing the business, who are working the business, who yeah. might be farther down the path than you. They might be they might be your peers, and heck, some of them might be newer. Getting around those people does that help build that? Speaking back to confidence in your message and being confident in the way you present yourself, when you're around other speakers and you have these friendships and these relationships, and you see other people out there swinging and hit, you know hitting hitting the ball out of the park, mm-hmm. how does that help build your own confidence? Um. Well, again, if you look at people and watch what they do and watch how they watch the audiences and how audiences are re- reacting to them, then you just have to be more self-reflective. Like, okay, what can I do better to engage with that audience? What can I do? Um, and I learned this from Rosita Perez. <laughs> oh my goodness. What a joy she was. She said something at my very first winter workshop. Um, I believe it was 1997. <laughs> and um, she was a keynoter with um, Grady Jim Robinson. These are old, old names. And she had a line that was so funny that I thought, okay, I'm going to use it. It was so good. I'm going to use it. And then I saw her in the lobby as I was waiting for uh, the shuttle to go back to the airport. I introduced myself and I just sort of, you know, we're, we're, naivete and cockiness go together, right? I didn't realize how cocky I was. And I said, oh, by the way, that line, it was so good. You don't mind if I use it, do you? And I was so naive to the speaking industry and so cocky. I I knew I was going to use the line. I just was sort of giving her a heads up. And um, she surprised me. She said, no, 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 no. That's, that's my, that's my line. Find Find your own line, uh, find your own stories, find your own messages. And that really like 
hit me upside the head. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's absolutely right. So, so now, uh, when from that point forward, I don't use other people's stories. I only um, find my own stories and generate my own stories. So I have a lens that's different. See, when you watch another speaker and think, okay, what can I use of theirs? That's a very different lens than, wow, let me just sit with this and be inspired by them. And then as a result, I can reflect on what can I do? Uh, what can I do to collect my own stories? What can I do? Like Jeannie Robertson used to say, keep a, keep track of all the funny things that happen in your day. Just have a, a, a notebook handy. And um, so that you can go back and write stories based on the humor you're observing around you. So, so that's what will build your confidence. And then, you know, I think it was Lou Heckler one time who said, you know, there's, um, you know, have 80% of your speech done and then 20% you leave room for the things that are going to happen that's unique to that audience and that unique to that conference and unique to being in the moment. So I don't memorize my speeches. I just have my keynote now uh, in terms of the slides in the right order, but there's plenty of room for there to be some, as Jess Pettit says, uh, edits, leave room for edits. So um, that brings me confidence, you know, and I've been doing it such a long time that I know when I hit it out of the park and what feels so good is since APA, every single keynote that I've done since then, I've gotten off stage going, oh my gosh, that was the best keynote I ever gave. <laughs> so, that, so that confidence of, you know, knowing that, okay, I've got the right combination to the lock now, everything is fitting and I'm super excited about it. So your passion and your excitement is contagious. So I know that there's somebody listening to this. Maybe, maybe they already know Marilyn Sherman. Maybe this is the first time they've ever heard, heard of you. But there's somebody sitting there thinking, as a speaker, I want to live in the front row. Not that they want to steal your terminology, but they want to live their life the way you have right. lived your life. They want to move from the balcony to the front right. of the speaker business. So right. what would a couple of last pieces of advice be? When someone wants to make that move to the front, that's going to help them have that confidence and help them have that mindset. Well, you and only you can def can define what your front row looks like. So what is your ideal front row look like? For me, I love big stages and I love speaking. So if it means traveling, that's fantastic. There are a lot of speakers and my peers. They're like, uh, yeah, no, not so much. I'm going to do online training. I'm going to have a passive income and I'm going to slow down my speaking calendar. And I'm like, I don't want to slow down at all. <laughs> now, again, there's no judgment, but the, my advice is number one, define for you, what does your front row speaking business look like? And no one has the right to judge you or to um, burst the bubble of your enthusiasm when you talk about what you want to do with your speaking business. And there's no one way of doing the speaking business. Everybody has a different path to the front row. So you just get to decide first and foremost, what your front row is, and then ask yourself in all honesty, where are you sitting right now? Because, you know, if you want to patch up the holes to your bucket list. You got to patch those holes with courage, confidence, and kindness. So it takes courage to look at where you're sitting right now versus where you want to be sitting. It takes courage to look at that and then ask yourself, well, what's my self-sabotaging behavior, which everybody can relate to. Self-sabotaging behavior is fear, insecurity, doubt, shame that you're not, you're not where you thought you'd be at this point in your life. Um, and fear that maybe you're not as good as you thought you were or fear that you're never going to quite make it. Those are all just things that get in the way. We started this conversation around mindset. We need to shift our mindset to be much more um, courageous about 
It's okay to have fear, but don't let that fear uh, sabotage you. It's okay to have doubt, but let go of that doubt. And my husband likes to say, have fear, oh no, have doubt in your doubt and faith in your faith. And I think that uh, a saint said that one time. And so, um, you know, we, we all go through it. We all go through fear. We all go through uh, uh, moments of insecurity and moments of comparison to other people. Um, just don't make a career out of it. Just make it be a moment, let go of that moment, and then focus on what do you value? What are you good at? How can you articulate that to the people that can hire you? And then go forth and enjoy living your life in the front row. Nice. God, I love that. Hey, it wouldn't be right to have you on the show without talking a little bit about the National Speakers Association's foundation, because the foundation is there to help speakers who go through sort of a rough time, uh, either in their their personal life, maybe with health or some other issue, or when there's these natural disasters that have hit different areas in our country. And you have, for the last four or five years, really led that when there's been a hurricane or a fire, or you know, an earthquake, or something else where our speaker community lives, you have led the way to let people know that the foundation exists and they're there to help people who, who are currently struggling. Can you talk a little bit about the foundation and about why you're so passionately involved? Well, the NSA Foundation, I am on the Board of Trustees for our foundation, and I am the chair of the Disaster Relief Committee. And what that means is any of our members in good standing, uh, members of the National Speakers Association, not just a local chapter member, um, if you are displaced because of a natural disaster, you have no food, no water, uh, no electricity, you've been relocated for some reason, um, we can give you a $1,000 check, no questions asked. Um, so that's what my job is. My job is to make sure if there's a natural disaster in our country that Mark Pittman and the rest of the um, people that step up to help find out how are our members doing. And we rely also on our chapter leaders because sometimes if you're in a natural disaster, you know, you're flooding and you're trying to get your family to safety because your house is flooded. The last thing you're going to do is go on to the NSA Facebook page to say, Oh, (laughs) Hey, just flooded. (laughs) Yeah. How do I get that foundation application? You know, so I rely on our leaders of our local chapters to say, Hey, so-and-so is in need right now. Um, You may want to be aware that, they could use some help. We also have other funds available uh, for people who are going through larger catastrophic events. And um, and there is a process that we can give money to our members. And we have a very generous association that people are constantly serving and stepping up and donating to our foundation. And yeah. it's a, it's an honor to serve in that capacity. Well, the NSA Foundation, a lot of people don't know it exists. It's a, it's a wonderful program and people like you who, who give of your time make it all work. So I wanted to make sure that we we got that message out there as well. Thank you. Hey, Marilyn Sherman, thank you so much for being a guest on Speakernomics. My pleasure. Uh, it's a great program. I love NSA. I love speaking. I hope I do it for the rest of my life. So thank you for all that you do to spread the, the word about this amazing industry that you and I are in. Yes, absolutely. On behalf of the whole speaker community, our hearts, our prayers, and our thoughts go out to you and your husband as you're having this battle thank you. Uh, and uh, sending you all the best for that. And again, thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom. Hey, everybody who's listening, move towards that front row right now because you, know, you want to be able to grow your speaking business and live it with energy in that front row. Hey, again, thank you, Marilyn. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. Do this. Come back every single week for more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money and build a better business as a professional speaker. And always remember the motto of this podcast, speak, get paid, repeat. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.